Hello, welcome to The Learning Playlist, a podcast for the major and general education courses under the tutelage of Mr. Ryan Dave Ryla, USJR College Instructor. This project is a supplement to the said courses and as a means to share knowledge to the public at large. To help the podcast grow, kindly follow us at facebook.com slash thelearningplaylist. And now, on to our show. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to the learning playlist for the subject, General Education, Life and Works of Rizal. For this session, we shall be talking about um, the background of a hero. That is the background of what we consider today as the national hero of the Philippines, Dr. Jose Rizal. First off, we need to clarify what is a hero. No? Many have been uh, saying that a hero is someone who has done great deeds in the past no, or during their life and they have contributed much to society. Some would even say that heroes are, are um, somehow superhuman or beyond, uh, beyond the ordinary man and woman of today. I beg to defer though. Heroes are not superhuman, but rather they are ordinary people who rose up to meet the circumstances in which they find themselves in. And this is crucial in understanding uh, the life and works of Dr. Jose Rizal. What is a hero? Who is a hero? And perhaps most importantly, where do heroes come from? In this session, and with the questions posted, we shall be tackling not only the complexities of Philippine society during the time of Rizal, that is, during the latter half of the 19th century, no? the latter half of the 1800s, but we shall be asking, or we should be asking ourselves, why did um, why did Rizal became a hero in the first place? And how do we celebrate the legacy of such a man? Okay. To further, to further um, collaborate our story, or rather to further enhance our story, I would suggest to you to go to YouTube and watch uh, the documentary by, um, by renowned professor Xiao Chua. The documentary is called Ang Tao Sa Piso. Again, the documentary is called Ang Tao Sa Piso. So what does this documentary talk about? No? Ang tao sa piso or the man on the one peso coin. This documentary talks about how do we celebrate the heroism of, of, of perhaps our most prominent son of the nation, no? Dr. Jose Rizal. Perhaps we are celebrating him as somehow more of a symbol rather than a man. In a sense that we see Rizal every day. But we do not really understand what are his works and how it has impacted our lives as we go about our daily lives. So in that regard, no, I'm 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 inviting you to watch the documentary Ang Tao sa Piso, uh, simply because this documentary has many insights to give you regarding um, Philippine society today and how we view ourselves. Not just in terms of looking for heroes, but how do we see ourselves mentally and culturally? No, not just as individuals, but as a society. Okay, so I encourage you to watch that. Ang Tao sa Piso by Professor Xiao Chua. Okay, so going back to the original query of what gave rise to a hero, we need to look into the background of Jose Rizal. Okay. So this will be uh, this will be part of um, our discussion for this afternoon, the background of Jose Rizal, and um, this will talk about his general background, for primarily um, the social background that he is in, and second, uh, his familial background, which is also crucially important for this uh, discussion, and lastly, his educational background, which would help us understand what gave rise to Rizal. As a, 
as someone whom we consider as a hero in the first place okay now looking into the family background of Rizal and um, looking into for example um, much of the much of his life in general in the coming days in this course no um, we try to understand as well what are the conditions the the material conditions in particular that allowed him to do what he did in in his time take note life in general is predicated upon the material conditions upon which persons find themselves in so if we find ourselves for example in in, st in a state of poverty then it would define our existence not only on a day-to-day -day basis but in a sense that it will define our our ultimate end at the at the end of our lives no so who we are might be determined determined pre uh, predetermined no or rather determined rather um by the by the conditions that we find ourselves in although it's not necessarily something that is um uh something that is uh, something that we cannot escape from but it is something that really drives the drives the social dynamics of not only the philippines but the world in general no? and we see this so much at play in society today with massive inequalities and many other um, social issues that we find ourselves in okay, so it's not a coincidence for example that we find that um, some of the best uh, so one, one of the best perhaps um, one of the one of the best Filipinos perhaps have found themselves to be let's say for example in the case of Rizal an ophthalmologist by training someone who has access to resources someone who has access to um, the best schools someone who has access to knowledge during his time so that's how we start this how we start this discussion off with um, an analysis of his background okay so Serizal, he was born around 1861, uh, June 19 to be precise, on Calamba, Laguna. Um, he was not someone who, or he was someone who belonged, rather, he was someone who belonged to a well-to-do family, no? And um, this background of being born into a family of well-to-do merchants, uh, I'll dis I'll discuss later why why they, they they why we would consider his family as merchants. No, um, this background of belonging to a well-to-do class in in society, no, well-to-do family in society. This actually gave rise to to what would we to what we would see later as his literary prowess and his many um, many achievements in life. So. What kind of a family or what what sort of a familial background did Rizal belong to? Okay, let's try to inspect that. Rizal belonged to or rather the, the family of Rizal, no? His the, the family name is Mercado, not um Rizal. Rizal is their secondary family name. Rizal in Spanish means field. And uh, mercado, of course, it means market. But um, the distinction, or rather, the 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 um, the choice of words for the family surname is quite indicative of their background. Because you see, um, Rizal's family on the father's side belong to Chinese mestizo descendants, or rather, they belong to um, they belong to people whom the Spanish in their day. In the, during the colonial times, would refer to as Shangli. No? These were traveling Chinese. Many of them have intermarried into, let's say, um, into households, lo native households or native families, and they produce children. And, and the children of those um, whose father are Chinese, coming from China, and um, whose mother are natives, are native Filipinas. They became known as mestizos, and many of these mestizos, um, they 
they really are into commerce no many are into commerce although um in the case um to to compare lang um in the case of let's say for example in Cebu the mestizo class is actually very limited as well uh, this is this has something to do with um with uh with the conditions as to how uh, chinese especially um the 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 family of Rizal no the, the original ancestor of Rizal for example who really came from china or who did came from china and intermarried in the philippines before they can intermarry the chinese were actually um given the option to convert now if they don't convert they cannot integrate into society well as it would um as it is a precondition for many of the social services and inner circles that they can access so you so um the chinese of Rizal's time especially um his grandfather no they were only able to access um social circles and to be integrated into philippine society at that time should they convert to christianity so there's a policy of conversion no that's why uh, for example you you'll see in in um in the, throughout this course that uh, Rizal's family is are rather Rizal's family are devout catholics because the because of that heritage that their grandfather had actually intermarried into the into the existing social hierarchy in the Philippines no so um, that's one aspect of it okay so we have already understood the background of the the mercado family or Rizal's family now let's try to analyze um the father and mother of Rizal so the father of Rizal is Francisco Mercado um he is of Chinese mestizo descent no and um he is thrift and entrepreneurial in the sense that his father actually built upon the foundations of his father and his um, entrepreneurial uh, Chinese ancestors before him, no? So it's a common myth in the Philippines that most Chinese are actually into commerce. However, um, there's a book called Cebu Under the Spanish Flag by uh, by the late Professor Bruce Fenner um, stating that the Chinese in the Philippines, or rather in the case of Cebu, almost 90% of them or the the vast majority of them really were not engaged into economic uh, economic activity they were not engaged into um let's say into business per se but they did work in the port areas where most of them are concentrated and only a very few chinese or what we called earlier as sanglis were were actually allowed to travel throughout the countryside to peddle their their um their wares and as you can see even until today we we still have traces of this in in um in places like uh, Manalili for example in uh, in downtown Cebu where many shops still are 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 owned by descendants of these Chinese who settled in in the port areas where they find employment and work no but only a very few of them are actually are actually um businessmen okay so moving on from the father francisco mercado we move to the background of um jose rizal's mother who is teodora alonso y rialonda so the mother um doña teodora he actually uh, she actually had a huge impact on rizal in the sense that the mother is the mathematician and the uh, academic in the family not in the sense that she taught in universities no but um his mother was academically inclined no she was a lover of books and as a manila native she had the background and the breeding to be respected in society as a cultured and well-educated woman no so her mother uh Rizal's mother sorry Rizal's mother had a huge influence on him given that um perhaps she was the first teacher of jose Rizal, especially in the formative years of the child no okay so that's so much for pepe's parents and um what else ah okay 
how about their possessions per se what are their possessions in life no what, what did what did um what did the Rizal family had well the Rizal family um they were they were or rather the, the mercado family again the the term Rizal is a secondary surname but the surname that they prefer to use is um is mercado no in fact uh, i believe Rizal wrote a letter to his friend uh Blumentritt. he's a german he's a german um he's a german friend of his german austrian friend of his who actually uh, he actually said to this friend in a letter that using the term Rizal or using the surname Rizal um jose felt like he was an illegitimate child no but uh, it was used to protect him uh, in later lessons he will learn why he had to use Rizal instead of mercado for most of his life okay okay so given for example um that they that they had possessions you know, for example he, the the family had um the family had carwahe a carwahe for example that's uh, that's equivalent to a car in our day you no know? carwahe is a a carriage and um they also had uh, what else did they had if i remember correctly they had two houses made of stone or bahay na bato in the in the one in the center of town which really is a position of honor and a position of great um let's say a position of great social status during that time you know, as someone as for example um the elites of society tend to live in the pueblos or in the towns rather than in isolated hamlets around around the let's say around the countryside you no know? so they were situated in Calamba, and Calamba, the town of Calamba in Laguna, was part of a larger administrative unit, or rather is part of an estate run by the friars known as the Hacienda. So, so the Hacienda is run by the Dominican Order, and all the lands around it, especially the lands that include the towns, um, belong to the to the order, the religious order that run these these haciendas no so um these were the or this is rather the the physical setting upon which rizal was thrust into as a child so he even wrote a poem about it to commemorate his memory or his fondness of the area in which he which he um which he grew up in no? so he called his poem or he wrote his poem un recuerdo a mi pueblo in memory of my town and he wrote that when he was 15 no? around 1875-1876 in regards to that one in regards to the physical setting it will be also not just a, a setting of let's say fun childhood memories but for uh, in later in life no? when Rizal is fully developed as an adult he would regard this place with sorrow as well no? um, not not just in his writings but in um, perhaps in his in in the way that his personal experiences are recounted simply because um kalamba as an as a hacienda as town also has its own share of um domestic troubles especially later in the century you know, or later in the time of rizal when the dominican order was actually or when the dominican order actually um, expelled many inhabitants and it was recounted to Rizal in um, in writing that uh, napalayas sila from their from their um from the land that they till no so this is another background the Rizal family were inquilinos they were tenant farmers no um in, in philippine society at that time perhaps one of the most productive and the most profitable um, ventures not just as a capital or business venture but as a as a form of let's say social capital as well one of the most productive um, areas is the area of agriculture especially after um, the eight after the early 1800s no, after 1820s when the galleon trade ended 
the Philippines gradually opened up its economy to the rest of the world. No? So the age of monopoly trading within the Spanish Empire was over and the Philippines effectively traded with many uh, trading partners aside from Spain. Uh, primarily, the, one of the most prominent would be would be the United Kingdom no? or Great Britain as it is called back in the day. Um, and also there's the United States um, especially in the later half of the of the 1800s and many other countries as well that traded with the Philippines and then there was also China that traded here but in general we traded in terms of um, in terms of agricultural goods in in Cebu for example in Cebu Negros and and other parts of the Philippines sugar was the primary was the primary um, the primary product produced to let's say to demand uh, demand consumers from around the world no sorry to satisfy consumers around the world so there's sugar and then um, there are other products as well like tobacco uh, abaca and many other agricultural products uh, even less um, less discussed in philippine history is um, that the philippines actually had a system of let's say government run monopoly for the for the opium trade no opium um this is a drug and now um opium is refined nowadays into something more potent we call that heroin but back in back in those times this was considered as a painkiller and um even as a form of recreational drug which is largely unregulated no in, in its trade but uh during the time of Rizal, there was an opium trade in the Philippines, as documented by um, by prominent historians. So, in this regard, we can see now, sans the opium or minus the opium, we can see that uh, the that the inquilinos were having a killing in terms of profit. In what way? The inquilinos planted crops that can be exported abroad, and because of that. The social class upon which Rizal and his family belong to, or in which Rizal and his family belong to, they actually made fortunes. And because they made fortunes in selling what we call as cash crops, or crops that can that can turn a profit. So these were, remember, these are crops that are meant for global markets, not crops meant for... Uh, local consumption, although there's also the staple of rice no, planted alongside these crops. Um, it created fortunes, and not only did it create fortunes for them, but it also created fortunes for the massive land holdings of the friars or the haciendas. And this is where Rizal and his family find themselves in. They were tenants in the hacienda of the Dominican order. So they had, uh, they had a crop-sharing arrangement, no? So it's a pecking order, the, the, the Dominican order, for example, or the friar religious orders have, uh, have um, ownership of the land. They loan or rather they, they rent out those lands to prospecting agricultural, um, let's say, agricultural entrepreneurs. In our days, we call it agribusiness. No? So they loan this out to agricultural in entrepreneurs known as inquilinos or tenant farmers and in return the tenant farmers since they cannot do it all themselves no because they lease um hectares of land huge swaths of land in fact no some even numbering in the hundreds of hectares hundreds of hectares um they would also hire um field hands in in those towns and these are the peasants no or in not in towns but uh, to help um the hacienda um, become agriculturally productive so in the sense that uh, we can see here there's a there's a hierarchy in in place with the mercado family already profiteering or rather not profiteering but already profiting from the from the labor and from their ingenuity as well in harvesting these in planting and harvesting these cash, cash crops for the economy and also the lion's share of that of that wealth is also given to the Dominican order or similar orders throughout the Philippines because they own land and land is capital so that's how you see um Philippines during the time of Rizal no? so it's a 
it's a hacienda economy as as many would call it but it was connected with the rest of the world so we are supplying them with materials like tobacco abaca which is used for hemp in in ropes and many other materials um, opium as i said earlier as a as a painkiller and as for whatever purposes it was used in the past and um and many other stuff that were in demand at the globe around that time no oh i did mention sugar right okay so we need to consider as well um the educational background of rizal we have already understood um how calamba laguna was um, a place where it formed the consciousness of rizal and what was the what was the what was the material relation between Calamba and and the Mercados? No, what was what what tied them to the place? Well, it tied them there because they had obligations, legal and social obligations, to till the lands of the friars, and in return they get a share of the profit. No, so in this regard, we now turn to the to the background of Rizal's education. So, Rizal's education in in regards to the background or the or the um, education of Rizal, no, we can see that um, that the that the family business of being tenant farmers is actually at the core of how he was educated. Why? Because his education was financed by the by the wealth generated from uh, tilling the lands and becoming and making those lands economically productive for the inquilinos, like um, the mercados themselves and the friars. So. This central theme of inquilinos and friars would play out again and again in not only in in the course readings, uh, sorry, in the course uh, learning, uh, sorry, uh, life and works of of Rizal, but also in many different courses that you will encounter. For example, TCW, the the contemporary world, and even in in um, readings in Philippine history. The, this this relationship between, uh, for example, cap, those who hold capital and those who don't hold capital, like um, the friars versus the inquilinos, they would play out again and again as factors driving inequality. And when there is inequality, rest assured that there will always be um, demand for social change, whether it comes in peaceful means or otherwise. So that's one thing that we need to look out, no? Because we cannot remove the fact that um, the conditions that Rizal uh, found himself in was not isolated. No, he was not isolated in that in that condition. Many others were, and those others whom who also have a place in Philippine history have different notions of what a Filipino nation should be. It just so happens that we have favored um, we have favored the vision of Rizal for whatever purposes. If you want to follow up on that on that debate as to why Rizal is the is the national hero or rather is considered as a national hero for us, kindly look into Republic Act one four two five. Again, Republic Act one four two five or the Rizal Law which was championed by the late Senator Jose P. Laurel. Okay. Now, looking into the, the educational background of Rizal, you might be asking, so why should he be educated? Why should not the sons, the, why should uh, the son of um, an inquilino be educated? In fact, Rizal was not just educated in the sense that he was um that he was mandated to go to school, but rather his family invested in him to go to school. Why? Well, the Rizal family needed uh, needed uh, not only the the legitimacy that a good education can give them, 
as a as a ano as a as a as a part of what we would consider perhaps as the ruling elite of uh, of that time no they were they were in kilinos and take note of the fact that they were mestizos no uh, in the philippines also there was a hierarchy of um let's say a, a structure of um or rather a hierarchy of let's say uh differences between what kind of people can be trusted by the then colonial government and what kind of people can are basically excluded from participation in politics in general so we'll we'll have to discuss that on a later meeting but what we need to know for now is that uh, this this um this hierarchy and the need for recognition is actually what drove um many families like the mercados to to push their children to study um, in advanced schools and to gain education not just in the Philippines but also education abroad as sustained by the newfound wealth of the inquilinos no because in general much of the many of the inquilinos were non were were coming from backgrounds of non-spanish descent they were coming from backgrounds of uh, let's say mestizos or um, indios no natives and as such there was there was a need for achievement and there was a need to go beyond um, the imposed hierarchy in the Philippines. No, they, they wanted to make a name for themselves because for so long, the Spanish colonial government has looked down upon them as inferior. No? You can look up the story of the Barong in order to get a glimpse as to why Filipinos created a unique dress on their own, uh, for their own rather than adopt European style of dressing, no? So that's something, that's a trivia, but that's something that can shed light into the relevant discussion that we are having today. Okay, so moving to the educational background, we have understood that um, there was a need to, there was a need to educate uh, the sons, primarily the sons, no, women were not allowed to have such an extensive education in the past. Um, there was a need to educate the sons of elite families or well-to-do families. So, in the case of Rizal, we we have three stages for his education. We have the early years and his Ateneo years, the University of Santo Tomas and pre-medical courses, and lastly, his further studies in Spain. Okay. As to early education for Rizal, okay. Um, Rizal's education was was uh, was done primarily at first by his mother, and then later on by by tutors. No, two tutors in particular. Uh, we have um, no no sorry. One is not a tutor but a school teacher. So he has. One tutor in particular that may have had an impact on him. His name was Leon Monroy, and he was a Latin teacher. However, um, he did not stay long with the family, as as if I remember correctly from the readings, uh, Leon Monroy actually died while in the service of the Mercado family. No, so nothing fishy happened. He just died of natural causes. Um, there was also the school teacher Justiniano Aquino Cruz. Which start, who started the formal education of Rizal. However, um, according to according to the biography of of Rizal written by Leon Guerrero, this is a right. He is a writer from the 1960s. No, um, there was a there was a recounting that Rizal did not like this teacher because he actually um, he actually used fear as an inducement. For the students, no. So he would carry around, for example, he would carry around a big wooden stick, and if the student cannot answer him properly, he would slap their hands with the stick. No, so that must be painful. So that there's that. Okay. And also, as a secondary, let's say, as a secondary influence outside of the formal education of Rizal, there was his. Uh, best friend and confidant, his older brother, his big brother, Pasiano. So, how about Pasiano? Well, Pasiano 
was not, was someone who was also studying at this time but unfortunately Pasiano in the early years of Rizal or in the early years of the life of Rizal had to stop schooling because he was implicated in the Gombursa um, controversy at that time no, we're using the term controversy because the Gombursa for for the for the Spanish authorities at at that time where it was implicated in a in a mutiny uh, for that they were executed even though there was no clear link and those who are associated closely with the Gombursa was uh, persecuted by the Spanish authorities now Pasiano was one of them because he was he was close with um with one of the fathers no i think it was father samora whom he was close with in, in any case um pasiano did not taught rizal many of the let's say formative skills but he did taught rizal something he taught rizal um to have a social consciousness to be aware of the politics and the different flows and ebbs of society during that time so Pasiano was um was the one who in informal parlance we would call he was a, we would call this as um indoctrination or rather socialization so uh, to use the term he socialized Rizal into um what kind of what kind of social conditions did um did they find themselves in no so he did study for a while in the Colegio de San Jose but um, he had to stop schooling. But he did devote much of his time in in taking care of his family and of ensuring that Rizal had the adequate, um, not only adequate resources, but also the adequate uh, background and social thinking that would that would help them in their future plans. No, so Pasiano and and I believe his father as well had a huge plan on Rizal, seeing that the that the boy did have potential at an early age. Okay. Now moving on to the Ateneo years. As for Rizal's education, okay, for the Ateneo, one thing stands out about his his education in Ateneo. We'll discard all the other um all the other let's say backgrounds for this one. You can read them in the PowerPoint. But but this one I think this is something that we should discuss in this podcast. For the for the Jesuits, they actually created a rigorous daily regime. Now, you have to remember that the founder of the Jesuits, Ignacio de Loyola, was a soldier himself before he was shot. His leg his leg was shot off, and um, he was converted to, or rather, he was um, he devoted his life into um, becoming a soldier of Christ. No, so or that's how. That's how he would claim it in the official narrative of the Jesuits. Um, in any case, um, they, they devoted themselves to a rigorous daily regime and they also subjected their students to this one in what is called a ratio studorium no? or uh, a daily routine. And because of this, um, it did create in Rizal a kind of discipline and a kind of mission to be driven in everything that he does in life and that's something that is commendable in the Jesuit educational outlook no they actually um, give uh, they actually gives uh, a training for life so that's that that's um that's how Jesuit education is no even until today so So um, in in looking at his Ateneo years, no Rizal, uh, at first was well. In any case, everyone does this anyway. Um, at first, he was uh, he was clumsy in his in his study in the Ateneo because he had crude command of the Spanish language, no, and it was a source of ridicule. ridicule. And even um, even Leon Guerrero alleged that this ridicule is something that Rizal is very very sensitive about so we we see a shed we see uh for example um we see an, an inkling of Rizal be, being a very sensitive boy and later on a very sensitive man in the in a way that he cannot really take um take insults no he is aggravated by insults and more often than not he got 
he got into fights because of insults no so um and leon leon guerrero in his book um like uh, jose rizal the first filipino he did allege that rizal's height and small build had something to do with his um with his demeanor that he cannot that he cannot um uh, accept insults so he cannot uh, let's say tolerate insults so that's it but uh, he did overcome his um, crude knowledge of spanish and in fact even mastered it later on and there, an another cause for Rizal's sadness or rather his another cause for his um uh, let's say awkward moments in ateneo during those days was that his mother was imprisoned uh, falsely on charges that her mother or his mother poisoned um, their bayao, no, their their relative. So that was uh, one that was um, a huge blow to Rizal. So gibuat buhatan ng storya. Okay. Okay. So what did Rizal do in Ateneo? You may ask. He was um, he was a sculptor. He loved painting and sculpting. He was a poet, by the way. Um, he was um, he was mentored by a certain Father Sanchez, um, and it nurtured his love for words and poetry, and that did create an outcome later on, as you will see, you know, in his um, well, in his um, classic novels, uh, El Filibusterismo and No Limitang Here. And um, he was also a member of academies like the Spanish Literature Academy and Natural Sciences Academy, or we call them as clubs nowadays. No, so he did excel in Ateneo and even graduating with outstanding high honors or sobra saliente. Okay. As for um, his Santo Tomas years, this is um, what we would consider today as college years. Uh, Rizal almost did not attend university or did not attend Santo Tomas because his mother objected to this. His mother was keenly aware as well of the social conditions that Filipinos find themselves in at that time. He was he was aware, as uh, she was aware rather, that Filipinos during that time were um, persecuted by the Spanish, and the more educated you become, the more of a of a target that is painted on your back, no. Or the more you are targeted by persecution by the Spanish authorities, this is this is uh, because the Spanish were very insecure in their hold over the Philippines. Why? Um, we have to we have to go back a bit to discuss the background. Uh, it's because the Spanish Empire at the time of Rizal was dwindling. It was no longer the gigantic empire that it was centuries before. After um, around 1850s, when all the revolutions that waged across um, Latin America, waged by leaders like um, Simeon Bolivar in Venezuela, for example, and uh, Father Hidalgo in Me Mexico, um, when those died down, by the end of it, Spain had already lost control of much of the mainland, or rather all of the mainland um, Latin America. So its, so its former empire, or rather its empire, wa um, rebelled, and they became independent states in Latin America, which we know today, no? And um, they were left with small holdings or small island holdings at after 1850s, like um, Cuba, uh, what else? The Philippines, Guam, Puerto Rico. So those were the small island holdings that they had now. And because of that, they were trying to hold tenuously to these islands even at the cost of massive repressions for the native because they were afraid that they would become irrelevant not just in um, in Europe but they would become irrelevant as a global power because you have to remember that Spain was once the mightiest and the largest um, global empire during the time of let's say Felipe II, no? Philip II of Spain but now 300 years later they were they were irrelevant to world affairs so you have to understand that um, that uh, this played out to create a sort of paranoia among the Spanish colonial authorities as to stamp out any form of rebellion or any form of subversion on their part no? and that really reflected badly upon them okay 
So, in UST, Rizal studied um, philosophy and letters. Uh, he also studied um, medical a medical course. No? So, uh, why did he shift? For example, uh, it was because of uh, desire to heal the, the the fading eyes of his mother, you no, know, the the um, the failing eyesight of his mother. So Rizal really loved his mother so much. He was such a ma mama's boy in that way. But um, it shows, you no, know, it shows that uh, the connection between mother and child is so strong that the child is Kwan is um, even thinking about his mother while he is studying. Okay, so what else? Um, aside from a land surveying course which he took, um, this would this was um, in anticipation perhaps that Rizal would one day return to Kalamba and um, and take the family business or take up the family business of um, in Kilinos. No, so land surveying was important at that time to establish uh, their. Their, let's say their land holding or to establish what land they would be um, what land they would be uh, borrowing or loaning from the friars no so I think he took that course because of that okay okay what's their racism in um, what's their racism in in the university which Rizal attended in in the universidad uh, in the universidad de Santo Tomas uh, there were Kwan, there were um let's say allegations but uh he did observe no there was there was according to Guerrero there was an observation that um there was uh, preferential treatment for students of Spanish descent over students of local descent this is because um we need to Kwan, we need to put into context again that uh, the Philippines at this time was run by a government that does not represent the majority of the people, that does not represent the majority of the people. Um, it was a colonial government. It was a government run by the colonizers for the colonizers. The natives were there because they were conquered and they were subjected to, um, to Spanish power and authority. So you had to remember that this is a very different time, no? In a in a sense that the government of the Spanish colonial regime in the in the country did not represent the Indios or the or the mestizos for the most part, and they were even um, barred from attaining certain levels of office or participation in politics. Okay. Next, we have further studies. Okay. The thing that allowed Rizal to study abroad is called the Suez Canal. The Suez Canal was a shortcut from Europe to uh, shortcut from Europe to um, to the Philippines. In what way? Well, if you look at the Suez Canal today, it's located in Egypt. It is still a very strategic. Um, it's still a very strategic terminal for ships. Now, travel back in the day was done via ships. And as it was done via ships, um, much of the travel during that time required weeks and even sometimes months in order to reach, to reach Europe. No, But the Suez Canal cut that nearly in half. So in just, let's say, a span of several weeks, Rizal can be in Europe and then he can set off to um, studying and even, let's say, touring Europe as a one as a student in general no so that's it and it was also one it was also known that by the time Rizal went to Europe around the 1880s uh, there was already a thriving community of Filipino expatriates there and um, they were not considered as Filipinos by the way because the term Filipino according to uh, Professor Ambet Ocampo did not come out until around 1898 no, during the time of Philippine independence but um, the term Filipino referred to Spaniards who are born in the Philippines no? so that's how different the term Filipino was but in this way um, we can refer to them perhaps as uh, as Indios no? as Indios there was already a community of Indios or Philippine natives thriving in um, in 
thriving in Spain and in Europe in general, and they wanted reforms. No, and they also um when Rizal got there, he was already recruited into these circles. He was sent to Europe not simply to study, and this was the design of Pasiano and his father. No, Rizal was sent to Europe in order to help further the idea, or in order to help him um train his mind so that he may further the idea of Philippine nationalism. So Rizal went to Europe not simply to study, but went to Europe on a mission. So once in Spain, once in Spain, um, Rizal, uh, he started his, um, let's say, quest, for example. He started his quest by, by attending university, by um, by enrolling courses, even during his free time, no. So he was really gathering up, gathering learning left, right, and center in order to better himself. And he got his licentiate in philosophy and letters first, and then later on he got his um, licentiate in medicine. So Rizal could be could uh, could have done two things while well, also in Spain. He could have taught humanities in Spanish universities. He was qualified because of the licentiate in philosophy and letters. And he could have practiced medicine. Later on in life, he would practice both in the Philippines. First in Calamba and then later in his exile in Dagupan. Okay. So, he learned a lot in Europe. And aside from learning a lot in Europe, he used these learnings to write his novel and to um to pen other materials that would um let's say that would help in the cause of forwarding philippine nationalism beyond his novels i think one of the greatest um display of the knowledge that he accumulated that he accumulated over time was his essay on the indolence of Filipinos, no, or the laziness of Filipinos. This was um this was an essay in response to the allegation that Filipinos are lazy, not lazy. So that's um you will have to read that later on in the course. Okay, so in conclusion, the Rizal, uh, the family of Rizal, the Mercado family, invested heavily in the education of Jose because of uh, because they were able to coming from their background as elite inquilinos or as um, part of the elite of society during that time, they were well off, and as well as um, having an agenda in sending him abroad and seeing that the potential of Jose can be sharpened much better when he, and he, that the potential of Jose can be sharpened much better if he can be um, pushed to study more, no? So they invested heavily in his education. So that's it for, for this discussion today. I hope you have learned a lot from this discussion and I'll catch you on the next one. So this is Ryan Dave Ryla for the learning playlist for um, the life and works of Rizal. Thank you for listening to this episode of the learning playlist. If you like the content, please subscribe at facebook.com slash the learning playlist. This is your host, Ryan Dave Ryla. And I'll catch you on the next one.